0: You could start by just telling me what your position with usf is
1: okay yeah no problem so i am an attorney at the law firm corliss barfield trial group and i -hmm. was approached probably about seven years ago um, to ask if i could participate in the usf legal aid program which is just basically an opportunity for usf students to come and speak with a licensed attorney about any legal issues that they may have so Basically, all I do is I volunteer my time, and speak with students about whatever their legal issue is, even if it's something I don't practice, and it, it may be something that I I may not know the answer to, but I at least have the resources and the ability to kind of steer them in the right direction, so they could get to some to, to you know someone mm-hmm. that practices that area of law or a uh, you know like the Hillsborough County Bar Association. Their referral service could get them in touch with someone that'll give them a consultation and speak with them about the issues that they have. But a lot of the stuff is absolutely stuff that I'm able to talk to them and advise them and kind of get them in the right track to hopefully get the issue resolved. And it's completely free. And before mm-hmm. co- before COVID, we would schedule at least one on-campus period a month, usually on a Friday between 11 a.m. and 1 p.m., where mm-hmm. people, if they wanted to come and meet with me in person, but since COVID has started, we've done it completely electronic. So I have students that email me on a regular basis. And then it, we either do the consultation via email or I give them my, my phone number and they give me a call. And we set up a phone conference and I'll, I'll consult with them via telephone. And hopefully I'll, I'm able to help them out.
0: So how long have you been uh, doing this with the university?
1: I want to say seven years or somewhere, okay. give or take. Um Actually, a good family friend of mine years ago, he's the the son of one of my mother's very dearest friends, Mm -hmm. was in the Student Government Association, and he was the one that approached me and asked me if I'd be willing to uh, do it for the, the, the university. And obviously, I jumped on it and said, yes, I'd be happy to do it. I love doing it. I really do. Like, it's a lot of, you know, it's just as rewarding for me, I think, as it is helpful for the students because I get to, you know, help them.
0: Um, and so you said you volunteer your time. Does that mean the university does not pay you at all to do this? This is just on your um, own volunteer.
1: 100%. I don't get paid anything to do it at all. It's 100% my time.
0: But do you work for the university?
1: No, no, I'm not employed by the university. I am a, I, the name of my law firm is Corliss Barfield Trial Group. Um, mm-hmm. We we're a private firm. You know, I've been working in the private sector for. I mean, I've been licensed since 2004. So, and I was a prosecutor for three years after that, and then I entered the the civil sector of law in 2007. So, I've never I've never ever been associated with the University of South Florida. Like, I've never worked there. I'm not an employee mm-hmm. there. I actually didn't go to school there either.
0: So you really just like doing it to be a help to the
1: students. Yeah, I mean, I remember what it was like when I was in college and you run into things that, uh, you know, you run into issues and you need someone to talk to. And, you know, not everybody has a lawyer in the family or someone that, you know, can help them out. So, yeah, I really do enjoy doing it. And a lot of times the issues are pretty uh, not overly complicated and they're things that can be resolved with a simple phone call. Now, some of them are very complex. I mean, I've gotten phone calls about very complex things or meetings about very complex things, and I've had to get them in touch with someone that specializes mm-hmm. in those, those areas of law. But, yeah, I do thoroughly enjoy it.
0: So what are most of the um, the issues that are presented to you? Like, are they like DUIs or, you know, problems with a lease?
1: Yeah, the, uh, so I'd say the most the ones that I get the most of are problems with a landlord or a lease, which is not an area of law. Unfortunately, I don't practice that area of law. So if it's something complex, I usually have to get them in touch with someone that does specialize in that area. But that would be the the majority. I mean, it's not, that's not something that it, it's, it's not, I would even say it's more of a plurality, you know, that's the the largest segment, but it's, I, I wouldn't say like 50% of the phone calls or meetings I get are in regards to a lease, but a lot of them are, but I get issues with, uh you know, criminal cases, people that are getting, you know, I've had people that were involved in car accidents that have consulted with me. I've had people that were in a dispute over a contract that have consulted me. Um, so all, all kinds of different things. I mean, I've had lots and lots of different legal issues come up.
0: So you said that um, leasing and landlord issues is not something that you deal with. What is specifically the kind of cases that you deal with?
1: Well, are you asking, like, what type of law do I specialize in now? Or are you asking, like, what am I comfortable handling and talking to people if it's more of a complex issue?
0: Um, you can answer both.
1: Okay, so I currently, and the entire time since I left the state attorney's office, do uh, plaintiff's personal injury work. So basically I represent individuals that were injured in car accidents Slip and falls, trip and falls, all kinds of different injury issues. So that's the my specialty. My firm uh-huh. also practices insurance dispute law, and I, I'm comfortable in working in that realm as well. So usually it's disputes with homeowners insurance companies. So if someone owns a home, and let's say their home was damaged by a sinkhole or a hurricane or something like that, and the homeowners insurance company denies the claim, we represent the homeowner in uh, fighting that denial against their homeowner's insurance company. So any type of insurance dispute, I'm comfortable talking with people about, which also kind of ties in contracts law as well. So I'm comfortable with a lot of contracts law. And I have a history or a background in criminal law. So I'm very, you know, I'm comfortable talking about it to individuals about criminal law. And then those are the things that I would have no issue having very in-depth conversations with and but I also am comfortable, basically, with any area of the law, at least having a general conversation with someone and kind of giving them general advice and then sending them or trying to steer them in a direction to find more specific advice if they need. And what I run into a lot with college students is the, the, the amount of money in dispute. Usually, if it's a monetary thing, is in the legal realm very minimal, meaning it would probably cost them more to hire an attorney to help them with it than it would to try and resolve it on their own. So that's always an issue that I have to kind of cover with individuals is speaking to them about that is, you know, the amount of help I can give you is limited and you may ultimately have to retain an attorney, but you're going to need to speak with that attorney about the cost of it because it might be more expensive to hire the attorney than it is the, the amount that you're... In a dispute over if it's a, a monetary thing
0: so I don't know if this varies or anything I really don't know anything about lawyers but how much does it generally cost to meet or have a conference with an attorney like in their office or just have a consultation
1: so it all depends and that's always the typical lawyer answer that things depend but if you're mm-hmm. seeing an attorney that bills by an out by the hour uh, generally an attorney that bills by the hour a, a pretty comfortable number or range that someone would charge would be between 250 and 500 per hour depending on wow. yeah you know, their education their level of experience things like that and the specialty that they're practicing in now there are attorneys that give free consultations depending on the type of law they practice then there are other ones that charge flat fees so they would say look i will represent you but you will pay me x amount and that will cover my representation from point a to point b so it it, it depends but generally 250 to 500 an hour would be a good range for what an attorney is going to charge by the hour
0: wow so students are really saving by doing it a free consultation
1: absolutely yeah it's a it's a huge savings and i send a lot of people if i can't help them or if the my level of what i am comfortable doing I send a lot of them to the Hillsborough County Bar Association, which is the the Hillsborough County Bar is it has a referral service for attorney or for for individuals in the public to call, and they have attorneys that specialize in all kinds of different areas of law that are on the referral service, and they have agreed to be on the referral service in return, they'll provide an initial consultation for at most thirty five dollars, so it's an initial thirty. Uh, Thirty-minute consultation for no more than thirty-five dollars. So, I send students to them if it's something I can't handle because at least they'll be able to get a consultation for thirty-five dollars or less. And I kind of try and educate the student on what they should have with them when they meet with that attorney so they can get the most out of that meeting and they're not wasting this money and they're not fully prepared to get into that meeting. So, like if let's say it's a a landlord-tenant dispute, so they're having a a dispute with the lease, and they they want to meet with someone to talk about, it and it's outside of something I'm comfortable doing. I would tell them, look, when you set up this consultation, make sure before you meet with the attorney, you have a copy of the lease, copy of any letters that you have with them, and any other documentary evidence that you have that asserts this you know claim or issue that you're trying to resolve. So they're not just showing up and talking to them because you know a landlord tenant dispute is a good example. Someone may come in and tell you, well, this is the issue I'm having and as a lawyer the answer may very well be 100% dependent on what the lease says and if you don't have the lease in front of you to review you've just potentially wasted that initial consultation with the attorney so i try to make sure they know what they need to have when they meet with someone
0: yeah. how does the legal aid service at usf work like with before covid the pre-covid like what did students have to do
1: so they would get in touch with the student government association and they would find out what time if they wanted to meet with me in person they would find out i usually at the beginning of each semester would get with sga and give them my availability and we would schedule out at least one friday a month where i'd come in on beyond campus for two hours and they would mm-hmm. sch- schedule a time to come in and meet with me in 15 minute blocks so i would schedule 15 minute slots for individuals to come and meet with me but i also always told um sga that If there's someone that doesn't, you know, schedules are obviously not always conducive to the time that I'm on campus. So I always told them if somebody needed to call me or email me to feel free to give them my my contact information and they could call me or email me at the office and, you know, I'd get back in touch with them. And if I had to schedule a phone call, I would. If they happened to call and I was able to talk to them right then and there when they called, I would. And if they emailed me, I would try and email them back as quickly as possible.
0: Gotcha. So now with coronavirus, how has that
1: shifted? Everything's done via email. Usually almost everyone that contacts me now sends me an email and then I write them back. And I, if, they, if they just reach out and say, hey, I need to talk to you about a legal issue, I usually write them back and say, hey, would you like to do the consultation via email or would you like to do it over the phone? If you want to do it over email, please send me you know, a, a description of your legal issues and what you're looking to accomplish. If you want to meet over the phone." I just say, please send me your number and your availability over the next few days and we'll schedule a time to talk. Uh, you know, some people do call my office directly. Uh, my office right now is mostly 100% remote because of COVID. So they call the office. Usually someone will take a message, get me that message and I'll get back in touch with that individual. And if I have time when I call them to just talk to them right then and there when I call them, I will. And if not, if they, we'll, we'll schedule a time to, to do a consultation.
0: So with the um, email consultation, is there a set number of emails that you will have go back and forth? Because like if there's a 15 minute time increment, how do you measure that in a email based consultation?
1: I don't limit the amount of time that I spend with an individual. So I really thoroughly enjoy doing this. And I thoroughly want to help people. And I'm not saying that to like, mm-hmm. I really do. I really like it. And so if somebody has an issue and it takes 20 emails back and forth for me to resolve the issue with them, I'm happy to do that. Um, if it if I have a 15 minute time slot scheduled with them and it takes more than 15 minutes, I'm not going to push them out the door at the 15 minute time period. Or if I'm on the phone with them and it goes more than 15 minutes, I'm not going to tell them time's up. You know, we're done. I'm going to talk with them until I can at least give them the the best answer I can. I mean, understand. I'm not able to resolve every issue for every student that calls, but at least Mm -hmm. I can hopefully give them legal advice and get them on the right path during this consultation. And I also, you know, once I've established this relationship with the student, I'm happy to allow them to follow up with me if they have additional questions. Mm -hmm. Like, that's not an issue for me. So, and it's, you know... And the other thing I think every student should know is when you're speaking with an attorney, even though it's through the, the university, I have a duty that it's a confidential communication. So there is no there is no threat or concern of any, anything and everything they tell me when they consult with me is 100% protected by the attorney-client privilege. So they can come and talk to me and 100% confidence and know that whatever their legal issue is, it's a confidential communication they're having with me. So even if it's a criminal case or something that is, uh, you know, maybe embarrassing to them, it's confidential. No one else is going to know about it except for me and them. So they, they shouldn't shy away from calling because of that. It's 100% confidential.
0: So that's an interesting point you just brought up because I spoke with someone who um, oversees this program in SG, and they said that if it is a university issue like, for example, if somebody was caught uh, underage drinking in their dorm, then that would not be an issue that you're allowed to talk about, but it would have to go through the university. Is that not the case?
1: I can't speak to what the university's position is. All I can speak to is what my ethical requirements are as a licensed attorney in the state of Florida. So I'm ethically required by the law of the state of Florida. If someone calls mm-hmm. to consult with me, um, I have to, it, you know, obviously if there's a conflict of interest, I have to advise them that I can't. Um, speak with them because of a conflict of interest or at least get them in touch with someone that may not have a conflict of interest with them. But my duty, I volunteer for the university, um, but once I have entered into a confidential communication, my duties at that point are to ethically do what's in the best interest of that individual, whether it's refer them out, give them proper advice or anything along those lines so uh, the best answer I can give is I, I that doesn't come into my consideration when someone meets with me I obviously I can't speak to how the university may screen someone from going through the program right. Right. but I can't that's not something that is taken into consideration when I'm meeting with that individual so the university may do that prior to them getting to me um, but as far as when when I'm meeting with them that's not something I take into consideration
0: hmm Does the university usually, like, prior to your consultation, do they usually give you a list of, like, a student's name and what their issue is?
1: Well, I've talked to the university about that. That's up to the individual student how much information they want to provide, because um, they will, yeah, they'll give me the student's name, and if the student wants to provide a brief synopsis, but I also have advised them that, you know, that, that they could be revealing privileged information and i don't i I would be concerned about that as well but yeah it just it's it's a case-by-case thing i mean and it's whatever the comfort level is of the actual student that's coming to consult with me and like i said i'm not in charge of the actual nuts and bolts of the program at the university right i'm the i'm the end result i'm the person that they come and speak with so do you
0: think that 15 minutes is enough? time for students in consultations or do you typically go over the 15 minutes when you meet with them
1: it just depends on the situation i mean some consultations literally take five minutes because it's something that is a very simple answer to a issue that is there's a there's a simple answer to and then there's issues that are much more complex and take 30 minutes or it might take uh, you know so I would say 15 minutes is a generally is a sufficient amount of time to usually resolve and answer the questions that the students have, but it, it's really a case by case thing.
0: If you are there from 11 to 1, and you do have like a couple complex cases that take 30 minutes at 1 o'clock, do you leave, or do they make you leave, or can you stay until you've gone through all the students?
1: Oh, the university allows me when I'm there on campus. They—they've never asked me to leave, okay. and if. Yeah, and if they're if I'm in an office in a in a room that's reserved, and I'm running up on the time that's reserved, they, they'll accommodate and find somewhere else to go fin- for us to go finish meeting.
0: Um. So, can students pay you though if they want more time with you or to talk to you on for like an hour about something?
1: I would just wouldn't take the money. I wouldn't charge them. The only way I would ever charge them is if someone came in, let's say, and it's an area of law that I practice. So, let's say. You know, I represent people that are victims of a car accident. And if someone came in and was injured in a car accident and it wasn't their fault and we spoke, with, I spoke with them and ultimately they wanted me to do full-blown representation for them, then, yes, at that point we would discuss whether or not they wanted to retain me and then go through the costs of retaining me and all of that stuff. But if it's just a general consultation, no, I'm not going to charge them for additional time.
0: How many students on average do you usually see? in that
1: once a month time timeframe? Uh, it just depends. But usually it, if it's less than three, if it's only one or two, I usually have the Student Government Association reach out to them and see if it's okay if we just schedule a phone consultation or something else because it's, I'm happy to volunteer my time and I love volunteering my time. But I, as you can imagine, I have an extremely busy schedule. So, And I actually live in St. Petersburg, and my office is okay. o- over in the West Chase area. So for me to, to drive to, to the university to just meet with one student, sometimes it's a, it's, that's a lot of time for one consultation. So we'll try and maybe figure out something else. But usually it, when I'm at the university, it's anywhere from th- three, four, to up to like, what, eight or ten people that might be there to consult with me.
0: Students were making appointments with you through the university, and now they're contacting you personally. It's not going through student government anymore.
1: I don't know how they get my contact information. I think they get it through the university because I don't advertise myself at all, so they, they, they get the information somehow through the university to reach out to me. I don't know how the university is publishing that. I don't know if it's on their website or if people are calling student government and they're providing my information. I don't know the answer to that.
0: Okay. Yeah, I saw it on social media. That's how I figured out about you. Okay. Okay, so have you seen an increase of students uh, coming to you for legal advice with the Black Lives Matter movement and protests that have occurred recently?
1: No, I mean, I've had a few reach out to me, and obviously I can't talk about specifics because of the confidentiality, right. but I've had a few reach out to me in regards to issues Um Resulting from the Black Lives Matter movement and also the protests associated with it, but I wouldn't consider it like an ex like a, a noted increase in uh, individuals reaching out to me.
0: So it's really just not the same. About have, this, have you found that? Yeah. No,
1: about the same. Yeah. I mean, I've seen an increase since uh, COVID started and the university went to remote classes. And I don't know Mm -hmm. what the correlation is with that. Maybe more people have run into issues with, you know, issues with leases and things like that. Um, So that's why I'm getting more people. But nothing of any exponential increase or anything like that. And it might just be the fact that they're advertising on social media now. So like that may have been something they didn't do in the past.
0: And with these remote consultations, it's just uh, by your and their own schedule matching up. It's not like you say, okay, on Friday, I'm going to call all these students. It's just whatever matches up.
1: Yeah, I try to be as flexible as possible. Uh, obviously, we're working with my schedule and then mm-hmm. obviously the student schedule. But yeah, I will work with them as best as I can to, to schedule a time that works for both of us.
0: Do you only do this for USF, or do you do this for other universities?
1: No, USF's the only university I do it for.
0: All right, well, those are all the questions I have for you right now. Um, If I think of anything later while I'm writing the story, I'll reach out to you by email, or if you have anything that you'd like to add that you feel like I didn't touch on that you want to say uh, definitely please feel
1: free no I mean the only thing I would say is I you talked about it I think this is a and I'm not saying this because I'm the one that does the volunteer work but I think it is a Mm -hmm. awesome service for students like I wish I had this when I was in college because you know you run into silly things that happen in college and I don't like to use the term silly because it kind of trivializes it but yeah there, there are things that happen and you know, there there's they can be legal issues, but as a college student, you either you're, you're you're nervous to call because you don't have the money to pay an attorney, or you don't even know that those resources are available to you. And so there's things that be, can seem very monumental in your your mind. And this doesn't apply to just college students; this applies to everyone. They seem very monumental mm-hmm. in your mind, and then you are able to sit down with someone that actually practices that whether it's a medical issue a legal issue and it relieves a lot of stress you know because uh, you know you're able to talk to them and explain the issue to them and so i think it's a it's a really good service for for college students i mean i look there do i get phone calls for things that are pretty minor and yeah, yeah but they may be minor they, they may perceive to be minor to me but that's because you know at times i'm dealing with super complex you know Issues in my job, mm-hmm. but they're not minor to the individual that's calling. And it's important to take the time with them and explain the issues and, you know, I don't know, give them the same amount of time and effort as I would give someone that's paying me by the hour. Mm-hmm. So I think it's a really good service that the university does. So, and I think it's something, obviously, if every student started calling me, they'd have to get other attorneys to volunteer because I think I'm the only one right. that currently does it. But it, it's, I think it's something that is very helpful. And I also think, like, this is an aside too, but I think it's extremely helpful when I get phone calls from international students because they're even, um, they're in more of a, they're in a a foreign country. They may not be fully aware of some of the laws and legal rights that someone that has grown up in this country has, that same level of awareness. So, I think it's helpful for them, too, as well, especially relieving stress and anxiety that may be associated with some sort of legal issue that they're having.
0: So you do consult with uh, international students? It doesn't have to be just U.S. citizens.
1: So no, you you know, obviously, um, as far as, no, the the short answer to that question is yes, I consult with anyone that's a student at the University of South Florida. If they contact me and want to have a consultation, I will set it up with them. Mm -hmm. So that, that's the only time I could not talk to someone is if when I talk to them, it's apparent that there's a conflict, an ethical conflict of interest that prevents me from being able to speak with them. And then I'd have to refer them to someone else. And in the seven years or so that I've been doing this, I don't think that's come up once yet, where once they got to me, that there was some readily apparent conflict that prevented me from being able to talk to them.
0: So you can't talk to parents at all? It can only be students?
1: I mean, if a student, it's so here's what I would say is I'm happy to talk to a parent if the parent, if the, the student gives me permission to speak to the parent, because I mean, the, obviously the overwhelming majority of students at USF are over the age of 18, so they're considered adults in the eyes of the law, so I would prefer to speak to the student. Now, if they want to have me speak with their parent, I'm happy to do that, but they also have to understand that when I'm talking with the parent, the same attorney-client privilege does not apply, and they're potentially waiving that privilege by having me speak with their parent.
0: So you could tell the parent things that the student said?
1: Well, eventually. no, not, not unless they give me permission to do so. But, but,
0: like, they give permission, you can.
1: Yeah, I mean, I guess what I'm saying is when it, it, it might have an impact on the, the privilege is, I'm not going to reveal anything the student tells me to the parent unless they give they were to give me permission. But what happens yeah. is if the parent reveals something to me or tells me something, oh. the parent's not there consulting with me. They're not my client. So they're, my communications with the parents are not privileged.
0: Great. Well, like I said before, I said, think that's everything. Um, unless there's anything else you want to add, like definitely I don't want to make you feel like you can't say anything or cut off. But if not, I think that's all good. And I really appreciate your time because I know you're very busy.
1: No problem. I I appreciate you reaching out. I hope this gets to more people so more students uh, can participate in the program.